Blog Talk Radio. to research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, and I see several guests in the chat room, you can sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. I will also open the lines in the second half of the show so that you can ask questions or make a comment. And then following the show, you can continue this discussion on the AfroGenius.com and Research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page. In fact, please like both pages. Well, tonight's show will focus on yearning for a sense of belonging, history, and healing with David Wellington. David Wellington will share his 28 years of research of discovering his roots from slavery to freedom and how this discovery has brought about a sense of healing, love of family, education, liberation, and unity. David Wellington is working with the Prince George's Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society to celebrate the emancipation of Maryland slaves scheduled for November 1, 2014. He has been a docent for the Mary Surratt House Museum located in Clinton, Maryland for a year. He also spoke at the first celebration of the African-American Civil War Museum in Washington, D.C. in 1998 and lectures about his USCT Civil War great-grandfather, Private Frank Worthington. And you will hear more about Private Frank Worthington as we move on with the show. So let me give a warm welcome to David Wellington to research at the National Archives and Beyond. Welcome, Mr. Wellington. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for having me here. I'm just excited to be here. I'm excited I'm to excited share my, to... my 
Well, I'm excited to have you here, and and it's always good to to just hear that journey and hear somebody talk about what they're doing, why did they do it, and so let's just go into just tell us more about yourself. Okay, well, my name is David L. Wellington. I'm a lifelong resident of Washington, D.C. I was born in Freedman's Hospital. And as you might know, that Freedman's Hospital was a hospital itself established after the Civil War for the freed slaves um, during emancipation. Uh, as you know, January the 1st, 1863, we were emancipated, and they set up a Freedman's Bureau, and that bureau established a number of hospitals and schools across the country, and I just happened to be born in Freedman's Hospital here in the District of Columbia in 1945. I guess it's ironic that I was born in that hospital and then later on in my life try to free myself from the miseducation that I've achieved in the early parts of my life. So that is the beginning of my life, but in terms of the beginning of my struggle, in terms of finding uh, identity and meaning and healing, I didn't do that or begin to start that until I was about 21 years old when I was awakened, uh, when I worked at the United Planning Organization by a young man named Dr. Ernest Middleton, who introduced me to a book called Before the Mayflower. And I was in total shock in terms of what I read in that book about black people and black Americans. And that started my search in terms of who I am. Okay, well, why don't you kind of help us understand your journey, since Before the Mayflower, the book itself is the one that you you said kind of stimulated you to, to get started. But just tell us more about how did you uh, become interested in genealogy beyond the book, Before the Mayflower? Well, I I think the the most uh, important pivot, I guess, would be in 1977. I was perked by trying to find our family by Alex Haley. Alex Haley spoke at the National Archives here in Washington, D.C., and I went to that lecture. And he lectured the importance on family and finding your roots back to Africa. And I was so inspired. And I asked a couple of questions in that, in that lecture series. And that was in 77. But right after that, I began to interview my, my father. And my father gave me some background in terms of our family. But it didn't go anywhere after that. Because it's a very uh, diligent search that one has to have when you really want to get involved in trying to find our family. So that interest just waned away, and I left it alone until well, let's, in 19- before, before Before you go any further, I just have to go back and ask you. So you said that that lecture uh, in which you attended with uh, Alex Haley kind of stimulated you and to the point where you went home and you collected an oral history from your father. Did you record this history? I guess I did in terms of paper and paper. I wrote it down. Uh, He had indicated um, a number of names in our family. He also told me something very interesting, that some of our family members used the name Worthington. But he said, don't worry about that. Uh, It's only one section of the family that used that name, and um, they just wanted to be different than the other family members. That was the take that he had. That was the understanding that he had. Little did he know that that name, Worthington, would open the door uh, to my search 
and gives me so much information about my family, where we come from, and what role we played in the Civil War. And doing that oh, interview okay. with my but but I didn't go back to that note that I took with my father until maybe 11 years later. But I kept those notes. Uh, I'm very particular about keeping notes because now I'm 68 years old now, but I've been keeping calendars of my whole life since 1969. Since September the 10th, 1969, I have um, calendars from that period to the point of right now telling all the major changes in my life. And when I started that, there was really no interest in terms of history. It's just that I wanted just to record who I was. I had no particular interest about blackness or who I was, but I kept calendars because I wanted to stop smoking, stop doing a number of things, so I recorded it. So I've always been particular about keeping notes. So I kept those notes that my father gave me 11 years later when I wanted to have a family reunion. And so I organized a family reunion in 1986. And at that reunion, we had over maybe 200 people, but we were there disorganized, not knowing who we were, how we became cousins, first cousins, third cousins. We were there just having fun, eating food, and fellowshipping, which was good too. But I said that the next reunion, we will know who we are. And that led my search to the archives. And I stayed in the archives back and forth, for about three years before I had my next reunion in 1989. And that was a completely different reunion. Well, tell us about your experience, and because you're t- taking us back now. We're not talking about going on Ancestry.com. You're talking no, about no, walking No, I was in the into- archives there on the third floor where you had reels. You had the go to the reels and, and wind them and search them. And I got red eyed when I was there uh, looking for the name <laughs> Wellington, looking for the name Wellington because that's the name that my father said was important, and that was my name. I think I stayed in the archives at least, at least two weeks and couldn't find anything on the name Wellington. And, and while I was there, I would hear people holler out, oh, uh, ow, or oh, and when they find something, and I said to myself, won't they cut that out? It's not all about that. Uh, they don't have to get that excited about something like that. Uh, that's not for real. So then about another third week, I said, well, let me look under this name Worthington that my father said had no really value, no really uh, import. And I guess maybe about a week or three days, the name Frank Worthington popped up. And then it popped up with him having some children named Charles Wellington. Even though he was using Worthington, he had a son named Charles Wellington and a daughter named Rita Wellington and a wife named Fabria, names that I had in my notes. Now, you know who the next person that was hollering on that floor, don't you, was me. I know. (laughs) I can imagine. Yes, I've heard it, too. (laughs) It was me hollering. I couldn't believe it. Hollering. Was it happy dance time? (laughs) Oh, crying inside and just just couldn't believe it. But the other shocking thing to me, or amazing thing to me, was beside his name also was U.S. Colored Troops, and I couldn't understand what that was at the time. So there was a young man working on the desk there on the third floor, on the fourth floor, named Bill Stewart. And I took it to him, and this was on December the 27th, no, December the 28th, 
1987, I took it to him. He said, um, take this down, this note, and you to go down to the third floor, and if they have anything on him, they'll give it to you. I took it downstairs to the third floor. They searched for a while, and they came back and said they didn't have anything. Um, this was right after or just before Christmas. He said, I took it back up to him, and he said, well, look, uh, bring it back after the holiday. People are um, anxious to get home, want to go home. This is the holiday season. Uh, bring it back after January, and let's see what happens. I brought it back in January of 1989, and when that young man brought me a cart of information on my great-grandfather, Frank Worthington, about three large volumes of, of books, I mean, that books with archive information, I went off. I went off. And I stayed in there about three days copying, copying, and copying, reading, reading, and copying, and I was just so amazed. And then one particular sheet there, he lists all of his children, and he had six kids, and one of those children was my grandfather, Charles Wellington. Wow. And oh, this just, is so exciting. It's so exciting. And three large volumes. Now, when you talk about three large volumes, there had to be a whole lot of controversy going on to have a record that big, depositions oh, yeah. and everything. I mean, I've seen them. So I want you to tell us what was in the record or the, records. The most, well, it, it was. One, it, it would give you his mustard-in papers. Well, they say he mustered in the Civil War. He mustered in the Civil War on December the 13, 1864. He was 20 years old. He was an escaped slave from Pitt County, North Carolina. And he could not read or write, and he indicated at the time that his name was Frank Worthington, and he mustered in in New Bern, North Carolina, and he mustered in under the state of Massachusetts. And I guess those who are familiar with the Civil War knew that when Lincoln called up a number of states to recruit soldiers, a number of states had quotas to bring into the, to the service. And then when Massachusetts had kind of like took over and controlled New Bern, North Carolina, when, when soldiers registered, they registered under Massachusetts. So my grandfather, great-grandfather, registered under Massachusetts. So he registered, became a Civil War soldier. He was in the 14th Regiment Heavy Artillery. That's where he worked for, companies um, B and E. And while he was there, he caught smallpox. And he was in a hospital there in Little Washington in North Carolina, in Macon. Uh, that was the fort there in Macon, North Carolina. And while there, he caught smallpox and had to be cured for that. And he was en route to one battle after coming out of the hospital. But while he was there the whole year, he used three different aliases, Frank Worthington, Frank Wetherington, and Frank Wellington. All those were the three names that he used. But his mustard-in papers were Frank Worthington. Um, okay, let's, please tell us those names again, because the whole alias um, names and the name changes are very significant. So tell us one more time. He, he mustered in. You saw him as Frank Worthington. Frank, mm -hmm. what else? Frank Welterington. He, he spelled it W E L T H. I-N-G-T-O-N, and Frank Wellington. Those were the three different names that he used. 
and he used those same names throughout his history in terms of on the census, uh, when the first census was taken in 1870, he used the name at that time, Frank Weatherington. Uh, now, we don't know. And the reason why, I think, well, we know, is because he could not read or write. Whatever the person he was talking to, the person who uh, involved him in the war, or the person who was in the hospital, they spelled it for him. He could not challenge it because all the records that I have here is where he made his X. He made his X. But the thing that led us, how do I know then that Frank Worthington and Frank Wellington and Frank Worthington are all the same men, and how do I know that they all, or that he's my great-grandfather? The most important thing, I guess, in all these documents is one um, young man told him there when he's in the hospital some 34 years later, when he was uh, 43 years later, when he was fighting for his pension to record all his children, everything of significance, because one day it may be important. So one of those sheets in that information that they brought up, he lists all of his children, and he lists his wife. Now, I'd already had that information from my father in terms of who his uncles were and who his grandmother was. And on that particular sheet where he indicated that he was Frank Worthington or Frank Wellington or Frank Weatherington, he lists his children as Rufus, Rufan, Frank, Charles, and Ridian, and Mary. And those were all the same names that my father had given me of his aunt. And then more importantly, I went back to say, well, he said he came, he, in the document also said he had to prove, again, that he was the same man 43 years later to fight for his pension. And in that document he said, when he gave his affidavit, and he could not read or write, so he paid 25 cents to 35 cents for a person to do the affidavit. He indicated in there that I was born and raised on the plantation, born and raised on the plantation of Isaac Worthington, to whom I belong, to whom I belong. Those words still bring tears to my eyes whenever I read them. And then oh, I, went I back, can imagine. Oh, yes. And then I went back to the 1860 census for Pitt County, North Carolina, where he said he came from. And sure enough, there on the slave schedule for Mr. Isaac Worthington were four slaves that he owned. He owned, But at those times, he didn't put names by him. He owned a 50-year-old lady. He owned a 16-year-old young man. He owned a 12-year-old young man and an 18-year-old young man. And this was in 1860. And then I picked out my grandfather as the 16-year-old young slave. And they were all listed as mulattoes. Uh, and that those words have very important meanings because mulattoes sometimes people think just means a light-skinned person. But it means the offspring of an African woman with a European. And so I'm assuming that those children that... Isaac Worthington listed on the 1860 were his mulatto children. And the woman that I found out later was my great-great-grandmother, Violet Worthington, was his mother. 
because I made that connection between him being 16 and 1860, and then four years later when he joins the Civil War and run away from the plantation, he's 20 years old when he mustered in in New Bern, North Carolina. Now let me just go back for one second, because you have, you actually found some of the best information that anyone could even dare to find on an ancestor in the USCT uh, record. And so you have been able to now trace your great-grandfather to a slave schedule in 1860 of which his mother and other siblings were on that slave schedule. You've also now, you have something that actually states that he ran away he was a runaway slave and joined the USCT. Is that in the record? Oh, yes. That's in the record when he, when he indicated that he left the plantation. Uh, not only in that same affidavit, he, indica- he indicates in that affidavit that he left that, ran away from that plantation. I would not assume, and I can't think anybody would assume, uh, that Mr. Isaac Worthington uh, would told him, well, well, son, why don't you go ahead and, 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 and join the, um, the, the, the North? Um, that, that's not logical. The other two stayed on the, well, no, because also on the records on the slaves, on that slave schedule in 1860, his younger brother, 12 years old, was already already listed as a runaway. That's also on the schedule of 1860. Okay. And, and, but okay. he and also did the ended, oral, yes. Now, there's a uh, question that's coming out of the chat. Did the oral history state that the slaveholder was the father? Do you did no. you get any so you didn't have any oral history from any any of your family members? No, and 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 what what I've done is, is because that person asked that question, what I've done is that I'm taking them now uh, twenty years again further. I have had three different companies do a DNA testing on me. All three of those companies come up with the same conclusion: one that I'm sixty-seven percent. African American, I'm 25% European, I'm 8% Native American Indian. These are three different companies. All three say the very same thing. Where does this 25% of blood come from? And we have to also remember, we're talking about we are slaves. We are the descendants of ex-slaves. And uh, the and, and sorry for a harsher word, but we know the, the rape and what went on in slavery of our mothers for all that time. I had at least about eight different hits on the DNA listing of getting my mother, my father, my grandfather, my grandmother. All the men, all the men results on my DNA take me to Europe. All the women information on my DNA takes me to Africa. Cameroon, Nigeria, the Yoruba tribe, the Bamiliki tribe. But the men, my father, takes me to West Berlin, Germany, Portugal, Italy, Spain. And this is DNA um, results. Now, I say if DNA can be used now to take people off death row, DNA can be used to put people on death row, I use DNA now to validate who I am. Okay, and so and many many people are using DNA to 
to try to answer some questions about who they are, just as you said. And so this is something that we we certainly are aware of how DNA is being used right now. But your story about your ancestor is something that we want to continue discussing because you said something about 43 years after the Civil War, his pension record was then, you, that's when you found his pension record. Well, that, when you ask why was his record so full, his records were so full because 43 years after the Civil War, he applied for his pension. Uh, okay. He was a farmer. He, he was a farmer, and he was getting old, and the smallpox was playing a role on his life's health. So he knew that he was uh, a Civil War soldier. He had other friends that told him that he could get his pension, so he applied for his pension. But his pension was denied. It was denied because when he was trying to get his pension, he first started in 1899, he was using the name very uh, openly and, and regularly then, Frank Wellington. They said okay. there was no Frank Wellington enlisted in New Bern, North Carolina. There was a Frank Worthington. So they said he had to prove that he and Frank Worthington and Frank Wellington and the other elegants he was using were one and the same man. And he set yes. out, and he set out on a five-year journey to do just that, because there were other uh, men in his company still alive, still living, who also had affidavits written, say, stating that he was in the same company that they were, and they knew him as Frank Worthington, and he fought okay. that battle. He fought that battle. And we're going battle. to wait to hear the rest. Because okay, this, okay. This, is very, this is very typical what you're saying about a name that he's using currently and the name that he mustered under and the fact that he would be denied if he wasn't able to prove that he was the same person. But we're going to right. take a quick break, come back, and continue this discussion because I want to hear what those men said about him to prove that he was indeed the right person. So we'll take a quick break. Alrighty. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert 
to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Now, you have been listening to David Wellington, and he is sharing his 28 years of research of discovering his roots from slavery to freedom and how this discovery has brought about a sense of healing, love of family, education, liberation, and unity. Now, we're at a point in our discussion where Frank Worthington Hello? Hello Hello, everyone. 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 Hello,